You're listening to the Barry Egan tapes on News Talk. I'm Barry Egan of the Sunday Independent, and my guest is Alison Spittle. Alison, Merry Christmas, and thanks so much for coming in. Merry Christmas. Thank you very much for having me. So, are you spending Christmas in London? No, no, I'm spending it in Westmead. Yeah. So, my parents are divorced, so each year I get to choose, and this year I'm picking Westmead. Yeah. We're going to do um, a bit of volunteering this year, which is nice. Yeah. Because uh, I can't be I can't be going to mass and I can't be walking. Why can't you go to mass? Uh, same as walking, <laughs> not arsed. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but was it true when you were like? Obviously, you're born in London. Yeah. There's a bit of Germany, and then you you ended up in in Westmead. That's true. You yes. were called because you had an English accent. You were called Protestant. Yeah. And did, did that stop when when you made your communion? Presumably. <gasps> Oh, that's the, yeah, well, this is a, yeah, that's the joke. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I had an English accent. I also... Do a bit of an English accent there for me. Now? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, that's about it. I can impersonate my dad. Like, my dad is so English that even I feel colonised by him. Do you know that type of way? Yeah. He's fierce English. And uh, when I was a kid, people used to sing rebel songs to me, and I took that as a personal affront. But then I read a history book, and then I was like, ah, fair play, go on. Yeah. You're you're dead right. So yeah. and what 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 do you do when someone sings a rebel song to you? Oh, I love it now. I clap along. They're yeah. absolute tunes as yeah. well, aren't they? You have to give it to them. Like rebel songs, they they there's some tune to them. And did you suffer from displacement anxiety growing up? Like born in London, Germany, then Westmead, and Westmead they taught you English and. Yeah, well, I was English. Do you know, like I was born in England and the culture, like. Uh, my my family are builders, so we just go wherever the work is. And uh, displacement, I mean, yes, displacement was good, though, because I don't think I would be a comedian if, yeah. I, if I didn't move around so much. Because you have to have a new identity. Each, each new school is a fresh start. So I would just go through different identities. So I'd be a clever person then a rebel and then I just thought it'd be funny. And but I what did you mean when you said that you feel you, you feel safe when you're on stage because it's the only time you're in control? Yeah, because it is. Yeah. It is the only time I'm in so control. So where does that come from then? The the feeling of control or? Of of, of when you, you're in control when you're on stage but so when you're not on stage you, you don't feel in control? No, no, do you? I suppose no. Now no. That I, now that I think of it. Yeah, absolutely. There is no, I have no control over Ratton, but like when you're on stage. But does it come from something in your childhood? Um, not being in control. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I like I wouldn't be able to point out an exact point. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah. um, yeah, I suppose. I suppose, like you, you know, as a child, you're never in control of anything. I was never in control of where I was going to live, you know, and like no child is. Um, no child should have that amount of control either. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And what did you think you inherited from your, from say, from your mother? Remember, you said something like that you've um, surrounded by funny women. Your, your mother, your granny, your sister was was it a funny yeah. household? Yeah, very funny. I think I inherited my sense of humor from my mum, and also uh, my insatiable need for people to like me. But everyone else said, don't they? Insatiable need for people to like them. I'm yeah. getting it less and less. Because so people don't good. like you or, or, or yeah. the need for it. Do you know what it is? It's like having a fear of death. And yeah. you know that like uh, when you're younger, you can't accept that you're going to die or that your loved ones are going to die. And then more loved ones die and then you accept it. Yeah. And like when I was younger, I couldn't accept that people might not like me. But then like, you know, when you do comedy, uh, less and less people are like you. So it's grand. 
Yeah, it doesn't. It's not going to kill me. But so but fine. that doesn't. You seem to be becoming more and more popular. I don't see how you're becoming less and less. People are less and less people are liking you. Oh yeah, I know that. But like, not everyone is going to like me. And I'd say like, as well, being fat as well is kind of like you're a reflection of people's feelings about themselves. So not a lot of the a majority of the people who would go out of their way to tell me they don't like me are normally middle aged men. So they sound like. Psychos, if you don't mind me oh, saying. Oh, for sure. Look, but like, that's who their... would go out of their way to tell anyone they don't like? Isn't that just a mirror of you know? If I say something negative about you, it's nothing about you. It's just all about me. Absolutely. And when I was like in a, and it's not where I'm going. Like everyone who doesn't like me is sad. They're not. They're perfectly entitled to their opinion. But the people who go out their way, they tell me. Um, they're. Do you know what's really sad is like one fella. Uh, I was on like, was it a Ray Darcy show or something? And I made a joke about potatoes. And he, this fella, like, uh, tweeted at me and said, like, oh, you should lay off the tails, which is grand, like, but he had a daughter that was probably the same size I was when I was her age. So I just felt really bad for his daughter because, like, if he's making jokes, I just hope he doesn't make those jokes in front of his kid. Yeah. Because there's nothing like, you know. It's but but your weight or my weight or anyone's weight is nobody else's business. I know. It? I know. That's it. But sure, look. And did did it bother you at school or when you were younger or? Um, yeah, like I didn't get bullied over being fat. Now I would have got bullied more over being English. Yeah, <laughs> I could control. Can you I say fat both. anymore? God Almighty! Oh me. yeah, I can't say fat. Yeah, I identify as fat. It's grand. It's like. Uh, did you have also an incident when you were when you were twenty and there was some, don't name his don't ne- mention his name. Okay. Some fifty year old comedian. Um, oh yeah, that fella. Yeah. But he was mad after me after. Well, he called you fast, didn't he? He, and did, then he, tried he did, he did, he um, did. And then he tried to seduce me later on. So, good luck to him. He's also not working as a comedian anymore. Not due to me. But Just, did he ever apologise? Why would he apologise? <laughs> Calling you fast. I mean, it's hardly the greatest come online. That, no, uh, no, no, no. People like that don't apologise. Yeah. No one has ever come up to me and uh, come out of their way to, to be mean to me and then apologise after. Those people don't apologise. Oh, don't apologise, sorry. And I don't need to hear them apologise, it's grand. Yeah. And did, yeah. The, did the equally the person who said to you, that was it a, a lecturer that uh, women don't like to hear women's voices on radio? Oh, but he says it to everyone. Yeah. yeah. And that's like a common trope uh, that's being taught in schools. That, that it's not sexism, it's just the truth. Yeah, exactly. But like that, I think that study comes from like 1940s or something like that. Something ridiculous. Or the dark ages even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not a real, it's not a real thing. But like a lot of people I know that have been to college to study radio have been told that. And And I think it's damaging. Yeah. Because I then wanted to be a producer and didn't want to be a DJ and didn't really pursue it. Yeah. That much. How did you feel when you first became a full-time comedian? Um, Poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or how did you feel then when you um did your first ten minute sit um, stand up? That was about your your granny drinking her own bath water. Was that true? Oh yeah, yeah. So how did I feel when I did my first gig? I I loved it. it what was, was that autobiographical? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't bath water. Now it was hot tub water. You need. What's to the see. difference? <laughs> Luxury, the Celtic Tiger. That's all the right. Difference. Sorry. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. I, I. How did Granny feel about that? Oh, she's grand about it. Do you know what I mean? So she's tub water is not bath water. Hot tub water is different to bathtub water. How is it different? I'm it's completely like champagne stupid. and uh, Chardonnay. One's fizzy, one's not. 
But is it not something you actually wash your body in in a tub? Yes, it is. And she, yes. why would she be drinking that? Because she was drunk. <laughs> okay, that's why. And, and how did she feel when she heard her um, heard you doing it? Um, she well, she wasn't in the room, so she didn't hear it. And she's grand about that type of stuff. She's the funniest person I know. Yeah. Yeah, and like. In fairness, she shouldn't be doing such mad things and I wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. You know? And how autobiographical, like say, the what was it, the um, the Nowhere Fast, how autobiographical was that? That wasn't that much autobiographical because there's lots of rewrites and, the you know, the more you rewrite, the further it is away from what you were writing about before. So, like, when I started it, there was definitely a few characters based on, like, a few friends and uh, then you know you have to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and then they just become their own characters so the stuff you saw on the TV um, wasn't autobiographical by that point Is it true you said that um, you found it difficult to give good lines funny lines to men? Um, is it true? Yeah I mean is that did you find it difficult to give funny lines to men? Um, just because I was so in love with the other characters yeah. and like um, the characters in Nowhere Fast, the men were just romantic interests for the women. Yeah. They weren't their own characters, which is sad, but it's a big reality for a lot of women. You know, women play girlfriend. If you watch comedy sketch shows, there's always wives. You know, it's always like a, a woman plays a wife of someone. They're never really a protagonist. Yeah. And uh, I didn't do it for revenge or anything like that because... That's yeah. not a good way to live your life. I just wrote I just wrote lines because I thought characters were funny. What's your life like in London? Grand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like the rent is cheaper than Dublin. Yeah. Well, so, that, that goes for a lot of places, doesn't I it? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's grand. I just like, uh, I do writing most of the time. Like that's my main job there. And I do a bit of stand up. And I mean, you know, there's no difference. I go to Marcus and Spencer's at like five o'clock and see if they got the yellow stickers. What's the yellow stickers? Where you get like reduced. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. You but know, are you not feast. kind of a, like you spent it, Were you joking about being poor? Um, Generally, yeah. no, I'm poor. I'm poor now. I was poor back when I was younger. Um, Yeah, I shouldn't be trusted with money at all. <laughs> so you're, 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 I thought you'd have a few quid. Um, if not under the mattress, but it's maybe in the bank. Yeah, I know. No, the I think a big, uh, a a not a lie because it's not like anyone's lying. A misconception, I think people have about people that work in the in the media industry in Ireland is that there's money in it. Yeah, there's no money in What's it. What's the biggest misconception people have about Alison Spittle? Um, I'm not sure. You'll have to give me a conception. Well, okay, well, I don't know, I mean... Yeah, I'll have to deny, deny something. Um, maybe, I don't know. Have you lost, um, I mean, you suffered two pretty horrific break-ins. I mean... Oh, yeah. Was it true that when the guy was asking you for your, your car, steal your car with your car keys, yeah. you, used, you were doing kind of a routine about when you were... I do routines about all traumatic stuff that's but, happened but, to me. But did you do the routine as it was actually happening to you? Do you mean, so what happened was in the space of about a month, I managed to walk in on two separate people robbing my house. One had a knife and uh, threatened me and took my purse. That was the first time. 
then the second time, thank God, it was just two lads with crowbars, but they didn't threaten me. They just so crowbars to get... are fine. Well, they they were like they were like bears. They were more afraid of me than I was of them. They just wanted to get out, you know, which is a nicer robin. When you get robbed a lot, you can do your little uh, charts. Do you know what I mean? And of that, they were the more polite robbers uh, I've had. But you 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 suffered severe ang- well anxiety as as anyone would. Yeah, from that. yeah, yeah. Of course, I didn't feel safe in my own house. Didn't feel safe. And then I got is that f- why you moved to London, or did it happen in London? No, I moved to London because I didn't get a second series in Nowhere Fast. Yeah, and because there's no other work for me here. And did you overcome the trauma of what happened? I thought by, you were going to say of not getting a second series. I was like, <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> did you overcome the, the trauma of not getting a second series? But did you overcome the the, the terrible trauma of being robbed twice like that? By using it as material? Um, I thought I did, but then I remember doing Edinburgh and you're doing a show a day. I used to feel bad at the end of my shows and I was like, why am I feeling bad? And it's just because I'm reliving trauma for a comedic end or whatever. But it was still like, you know, you're still reciting a horrible thing to happen to you. And that was a good show, but it's made me think twice about doing traumatic things for material because I thought it was therapeutic, but... Was uh, it? No, it yeah. wasn't. I had to. You see, the problem with me just was just picking out a, a, a psychic scab. Was it? Oh, well, I tried to like scrimp money on uh, therapy by doing stand up comedy about my traumas when I should have just paid a therapist. Like yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Have you paid a therapist? I have. Yeah. And how's yeah. that going? Grand. Now I can't afford one, so I'm not going to them for a little while. <laughs> and what did you learn during your therapy? There's nothing to learn. You yeah. have you been to therapy? I couldn't possibly answer that. Yeah, Why course, not? I'm joking. joking yes. yes. So, what do you learn from therapy? Genuinely, I'm trying to. But just say you were lying on the couch with Sigmund Freud. What What would you want to know about yourself? Um, what would I want to know about myself? Um, how not to be nervous all the time? Like, I are de- you nervous now? Not now, but walking so it's not all the time. Night then. and stuff. Right. Okay. Do you know, like being on my own or like. Being in scary situations, it'll be nice to not feel as nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And what can you do to to, to feel less nervous? I don't know. That's for a therapist. I'll have to put more money into that. Okay. But, <laughs> and do, look. If I knew that, like, you, do you know. Li- do you live on your own in London? Or is there, is no. there, well, tell me about your romantic life. Can I ask that? You can. I've got a boyfriend. I live yeah. with him. He's lovely. And uh, yeah, I live with him and he's great. Yeah. And if I'm coming home late at night, he'll get out of the house and walk me home. So do, he's are a you, gentleman. Are you, are you t- what is, is he a comedian as well? He wrote Nowhere Fast with me. He of did course, stand up yeah. comedy yeah. before. And uh, so he's a writer. So yeah. are you constantly racking his head whether such and such a line is funny or waking him up to say this? Or um, he's just so good at like, uh, he'll help me out with, he'll read over my scripts and stuff and we just, bust each other up laughing all the time what do you bust each other up laughing over oh horrible stuff like what Give my me. trauma <laughs> <laughs> um, what about his trauma does he have any trauma to <laughs> he's a, I don't know it's not for me to tell news talk um, no like but we'll we'll just we. he's just a funny man how did you meet uh, we met um, we met like he was he was at the tail end of doing stand-up and I was kind of starting. And this fella introduced us in the Workman's and uh, we were mates and stuff and did podcasts together. So it was a very millennial 
uh, a courtship. And did he woo you by trying to be funnier than you? Is that how it works? You see, it's like two gunslingers, you know. Yeah, he like he laughed you into bed before you know. No. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what I liked about him was that we both liked the TV show Pointless. Yeah, which is like a quiz show. I love that very much. Um, in regards to like competition with comedy and and stuff, there, it's it's more of like a complimentary thing rather than a competition. You know, um, I think like the best type of comedy is when people work together yeah. and stuff, you know, it makes it nicer. And what was the thing you, you, you said about Hosier? Why can't, you know, the, um, why can't all men be, 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 be like Hosier? He was just a, a cipher for my feelings. Is your because, boyfriend like Hosier? Um, yeah, every good man's <laughs> like Hosier. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, the article was about me getting like abused on the street and stuff by people. So I just, uh, like pretended I presumed that Hosier wouldn't do that so I was doing it as a comic kind of tool to try and encourage people not to be mean I'm still trying to get my head around this people maybe I just live in a parallel universe sometimes you're not a woman (laughs) so people would be actually saying abusive names about you on the street as you walk along they used to and that's before like I think I wrote that article maybe about five years ago but Maybe it's more. And has it changed dramatically in the last five years? Well, I've moved. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it has. It has changed. But I five think I'm years ago, you were being confident. called names walking down the street. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess I used to wear like mad stuff, you know. Um. I remember I was on a train going to posh place. It was like Fox Rock or something like that. Had to do a gig there. And these lads put like chewing gum in my hair and called me a fat bitch and stuff. Mad stuff, like just you know. I think, but, I th- they're, but they're just pricks. Exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not like. I mean, I'd love to see the way they were brought off if they did that. Yeah. 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 So it's just like, um, it, you know, it's not about Fox Rock. It's about them just being. Oh know, yeah, idiots. I'm not saying they're from Fox Rock either. <laughs> I'm just the situation. <laughs> I'm not being to all of Fox Rock with that, with that thing. But um, uh, I just like to be happy and dress the way I like and do what I want because that kind of annoys them more. Yeah. You know, same with like people on Twitter or or whatever. It's like, just live your life and don't care about what those people think. If it annoys them, it annoys them. It's not my fault. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's an issue with them. Absolutely. And when did you first have, uh, when did that first emerge, that kind of sense of screw you? Um, since I was about 13 I'd say I don't know I was mad into the Smiths and stuff when I was a teenager yeah. and uh, you kind of being an outsider yeah yeah and I lived in this council estate in a village and like the only thing I had in common uh, was Morrissey no when my <laughs> friends were smoking just used to go and smoke Benson and Hedges and chat and like what would you chat about uh, we'd play like we'd play blackjack and we would chat about uh, there was a fella in our estate, it used to tape Top of the Pops. and uh, On a VHS? On a VHS thing. tape, yeah. And yeah. T.G. Cahar's Cold, was it Cold Hero or something like that? Some sort of like country music show. And uh, once Marcy brought, and now I'm not a fan of him anymore, but like uh, he brought out a single and I used to play that all the time. And they used to go, ah, shut up with that. And uh, it was good crack. I, I don't know, like you just talk about stuff like that teenagers do. So I was an outsider, but I was welcomed everywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. And was it a village you, you grew up in? Yeah, a very small village, Ballymore. It's a great village. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it, you said once that, I don't know if this is a funny thing or that it was yeah. it was great to, to be, to grow up in a village because you couldn't, you couldn't, you could never leave. Like. You were stuck there. Which oh is, yeah, because I couldn't drive. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think because you were just stuck with all your friends and you were, you were stuck in a village. Was that about nowhere fast or was that like, uh, I think, I think maybe writing Nowhere Fast and thinking about my village was like being friends with people that didn't have your common interests because they were there through chance, through geography, yeah. rather than like, you know, you're going to be my mate because you like Morrissey too. It was going to be like, you're going to be my mate because you live within a mile radius. Have you, you gone know? off Morrissey because he's a bit of a racist so-and-so these days? Yeah, and like also like, I don't know. And even before that, I th- I think I just... I just got a bit, I cheered up a bit, do you know? I was just, I think I was listening to the first album of the Smiths and I was having a shower and I was like, I don't need to listen to a song about child abuse today. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> do you know? I can't start off my day this way. So I'm very into R&B now. Is, like there, is there, um, I'm sure there is. Uh, and if there is, is that you? Is it Midland, Midland's humour? Is that, is that what you're, is that how you describe it? I would. I would. I love the Midlands. I think Westmead, and my village is my muse because I wrote a play about like um, rural life, and um, I just, I just really enjoy the politics and the fake uh, kind of policing that we all do of each other in a village. I mean, I've got. Tell me about the fake policing. Well, just you know, that type of like bit of gossip, you know. Kind of like maybe someone's got a new car and we all comment on it. Yeah. That type of thing. Do you have a new car? I don't drive. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't afford a new car. <laughs> it's the theme. But are you not a big shot when you go home to Ballymore? No. No, no. I go to the pub, uh, Rooney's. And uh, no, because... But when, like, you, when you walk in, it, oh, it's, it's herself. It's Alison off the TV. But they would even if I wasn't on TV. You see, that's the good thing about a small village. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... I haven't achieved. But so, so you'd be even if you weren't well known, you'd still have, look like someone who's well known. Well, yeah, you're always well known in the village. Like there's a fella that I went to school with, and he works for Marvel now. Yeah. And it's like, and he's no better than the fella who works in the mechanics or anything like that. It's all just, it's all nice. So when you walk into the public Christmas, is boyfriend you had when you were 15 and then there's a boyfriend you had when you were 18. I, you see, I never had boyfriends. Your whole life is dotted around the yeah, pub. Yeah, I was, I was very lucky in regards to like... Uh, Not having boyfriends. Yeah, in my village, yeah. Would you, you know? would you deliberately date outside the, the the county just so you would never have that experience when you're older? I just never, I was a big frigid. I just never dated. Do you know, Jeez. I was a massive frigid. Saint frigid, that's what I was. Yeah, I just wasn't really into that. I think it's like residual Catholicism as well, you know? Is that because people slagged you as being Protestant when you weren't, or <laughs> what? That I had to go uber Catholic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... You sound like Edna O'Brien in Ballymore. Do I? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the country girl. Oh. Do you know that line? Um, was it? Pass me the butter, Lady Divine. Won't you pass me some wine? Pass me the butter. You bald-headed Scot. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> That's a great line. Well, where is the tour? So the tour is happening. Uh, it's called Alison Spittle, Mother of God, and it talks a lot about Ballymore kind of about how I didn't get the part of Mary in the school nativity play and how not to hold grudges. So, Clearly you have. Oh, stop. <laughs> so My, where, where are you playing very briefly? I'm going to be in Liberty Hall on the 21st of March and that's the big one in Dublin. I'm going to be touring all around Ireland and also I'm doing another tour of Kevin McGahern in May. 
So you should do the opening night with a big premiere in ba- in Ballymore. I should, shouldn't I? In yeah. Ballymore Community Centre. Yeah, definitely. Alison Spittle, thank you so much for coming in and Merry Christmas again. Merry Christmas.